My biggest fear today, and I hadn't started yet, I'm just trying to get the baskets out. My biggest fear today is you're going to have to look at my bald head, my yarmulke. And I spoke in this uh, round one time in 30-something years as a pastor. I spoke in this thing in Mississippi. And, uh, but I'm just kind of trying to figure y'all out. You know, you, you think you had a real time just trying to find your seat. Right now, I'm just trying to find my voice and where you are. And how many sit in a different chair today? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's confusing me as bad as it is you. But it's so fun. I love a church of creativity. And God's people said, Amen. yeah. You ought to see what we've got planned next week. We have chairs hanging on ropes, <laughs> kind of experience the resurrection. We're going to do a great song, and about halfway through, we're going <laughs> to suck them up. Isn't that going to be cool? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We should, though. That would, you know, okay. Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to talk to you about the cross. And, uh, y'all, if I seem like, I- I'm, just, I'm just trying to find out where I'm going to stand. All-, all week, I've been saying, Lord, where is it? Is it? I thought back here, but you know what? Pastor's a little worried he's going to fall off the steps, you know? And then I'll do this. So, hey. I just want you to have as much fun as I'm having. I've been anticipating this service for three weeks. I knew y'all were coming. And today's about Faithquake, part one. Faithquake at Calvary. So you didn't really get notes. You got a list of scriptures from different uh, translations of the scripture. You can, you can look at that with me. You can make some notes. Oh, there'll be a lot to write down today. Uh, but it's just uh, not filling the blank Sunday. It's a little bit different. Well, today I want to talk to you about the cross and about what Christ went through, the, the redemption, the plan of God, how God just uh, incredibly loves us that he sent Christ, and he loves us from the cross. And uh, the amazing thing about the cross is that God chose to do it. He chose to go all the way. Yesterday we were at a graduation event for a sister in Christ in here, and uh, there was a young lady that just lost her daughter in a terrific car accident several months ago and they gave up their beautiful daughter and she's talking about how hard it is and she says but I've been thinking about the love of the father and the love of Jesus but Jesus chose to give his life up the father chose to give his son that we could be forgiven and she looked at me with eyes and she's one of the most profound deep Christians and she said oh I don't have that kind of love I couldn't give my child up willingly. And that's what I hope you'll think about today. In Hebrews 12, 2, right there across the top of your outline, it says, fixing your eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. And that's good news. But before he got to sit down in royalty and majesty and honor, He had to scorn the shame. He had to endure the rugged cross. He had to carry the the cross. He had some help along the way. But he got beaten severely and flogged and insulted and mocked and crown of thorns in his head. And man, just it was horrible. And yet he opened out his mouth and he carried his cross all the way. And this morning, and what I can do in physical, I ask God that'll do it a hundred million times spiritually in your heart that you'll see Christ today. That you'll see this so rugged cross, not as some beautiful symbol, but as the old rugged cross that it is. That Christ endured the cross, the shame, the scorn, being beaten, naked, just tore up for us. And every time I look at it, it's so much more than a piece of jewelry. 
It staggers this old mind. It stuns me as I look at it because there I see the divine love of the Father. That God commits his love through his Son and Christ gives his life freely that you and I can have a way to the Father. Still can't get my hands around that. Amazing love. I call this faith quake because that cross shakes you to your core, doesn't it, church? I mean, if that's not shaking you today, I don't know what's going to shake you because, I mean, the Heavenly Father, the Lord God Almighty, gives his life up for us, becomes one of us and dies. Oh, but there's hope next weekend, man. It doesn't end with a cross, but we got to focus on the cross and get to the resurrection. So we fix our eyes upon the source of our salvation. Everybody look hard at that cross right now. That's the source. And the person that hung on there, Jesus, that's where we get salvation. And it comes from him. God, thanks. It's somehow the hope of glory, the mystery of the gospel is all wrapped up in the cross, the old rugged cross. Faith quake just shakes you up when you have faith. Life somehow is about fixation. You and I fix our eyes upon things of this world, and so it should not be. But Jesus says, fix our eyes upon him, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he did what? He endures the cross. He goes to Golgotha, the place of the skull. He goes to Calvary. He just hangs there. You know what I think? I think he had you on his mind. No, I don't think. I know. He had you and me on his mind. The redemptive work of God, how God even dialogues from the cross and has something for us. I, I was thinking about the visualization of the cross. I was thinking about a sovereign, omnipotent, omnipresent king. But, but then I was thinking about the service. Mark, for you, Jesus went to the cross, brother. Jan, for you, Jesus hung there. Rick, right there, man. Them nails, for you. David, that nail right there, buddy, you. Susan, right there, for you. Molly, for you. Ben, for you. Y'all, that's amazing. I mean, oh my goodness. For me, sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful, king gave it up that I could live. Oh, what sacred love. I'm sure glad that he did. And that love, I was thinking about this week, that love pays. That love paid a price. It paid the ultimate price. It was his life. And, and life is in the blood. We, we found that out in Leviticus. It says life is in the blood. We know that. If you don't have blood, you don't have life. Blood drains out, man, you're dead. And out of that cross, the blood of Christ shed. And because of that blood shed, we have life this morning. And you know what the cool thing about blood is? The blood of Christ, it covers us. Like on the Day of Atonement, it covers our iniquity. It covers all our sin. God, thank you for that. But there's only one qualified, and it's Jesus. Only one person could hang there and pay the ransom for the world. And man, Christ did it for us. Perfection, perfecter. But also, I was about it's a love that pays. It's a love that saves. It's a love that redeems. 
It's a love that invites you and I to come near. I remember when I first saw the cross for what it was, more than a piece of jewelry or a religious symbol. When I saw the cross for my sin and how nasty that was. Man, God, thank you. But it's not only a love that pays and a love that stays, but it's a love that, well, it, it, it does. It, it, it saves, but then it, it stays. Christ stayed on that cross. You know, you know, Jesus Christ had the power when he was hanging on that cross. I certainly would have done it. He could have called 10,000, 10 zillion legions of angels, and they delivered the Son of God from glory. Did you know from this cross? Did you know that? He didn't call them. Do you think he was tempted to call? So, man, I'm the son of God. Look what they're doing to me. That's why he sweat drops of blood in Gethsemane, which we'll look at in a moment. But, man, this cross. You're saying, man, you're, you're hung up on this cross. Let me tell you, if I don't get hung up on that cross, I ain't got much to talk about. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it all starts at the cross. And I just want us to look at it and go, oh, God. I mean, that's why we set this room up like this today. We wanted you to just stare at that cross and look at the cross and reflect on the cross and go, God, that cross transports me to glory. And love stays the course. The Bible says that he endured the cross, scorning its shame and its humility. And that joy means we are part of the plan of the Father. And let me tell you something I learned. This is cool. When Jesus died, he brought disgust to the enemy. See, some people say, oh, when Jesus died, hell won. Hell didn't win. Jesus, he brought disgust to the enemy because the enemy knew, uh-oh, I'd have messed with a son of God. That's right. And Jesus didn't stay on that cross. And there's a lot of hope because of that. So I think the enemy was disgusted because he thought, man, my days are numbered. Glory to God. Disgust. Because Jesus was the anointed one. Matter of fact, when Jesus got nailed to that cross, it looked like things were over. And that curtain tore in the temple. But you know what the great th news is? When Christ got off that cross and he rose from the dead, he stood on the throat of death. And death never has power again. And that's why yesterday when I looked at that young girl, that, well, she's not young, she's my age now, but when I looked in her eyes, and she'd lost her beautiful daughter. It's because of Jesus she knows that the relationship doesn't end on this earth. It's just going to be different and more glorified in the next. Praise be to God. So all those that you know today, your family, your friends, your loved ones that have died in Christ, you see them for all eternity, praise the Lord. It's not over. It just isn't over. Sin defeated, the kingdom of darkness gets nailed out, Satan gets his head crushed. L listen to some of these prophecies. They'll come up on the screens. I want you to see this. Genesis 12, 3. It says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All these prophecies. I'm, I'm just going to read holy prophecies to you now from the Word of God. They're from Genesis. I want to go to John 8, 56 from the message. And Jesus said here, he goes, if I turned the spotlight on myself, it would not amount to anything. But my father, the same one who says, or who, who says that he's your father, put me here at this time in the place of splendor. You have not recognized him in this, but I have. If I in false modesty said I did not know what, 
Here we go. What's going on? I would be as much as a liar as you are, but I do know, and I'm doing what he says. Abraham, your father, he had jubilant faith. He looked down the corners of history, and he saw my day coming, and he saw it, and he cheered. Oh, Father Abraham, he knew, man, a better day was coming. The father of nations. And then look at Deuteronomy 8.15 as Moses is telling the people here, God, your God is going to raise up a prophet for you. God will raise him up from among you, your kinsmen, a prophet like me, and listen obediently to him. Write that in your notes. That's worth writing down. Jesus said this day, one day, he says, the father says, this is my son, listen to him. Here in this prophecy, it says, listen to him. And I pray today, you're listening to Jesus. David wrote prophetically in Psalm 69, 21, they put gall in my food and they gave me vinegar for my thirst. Psalm 118, 22, the stone the builders rejected has now become the capstone. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 7, 14, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is, God is what? He's here. Right, right now, he's here. I kind of like this in the round, man. I can hear, I hear people I've never heard. Some of y'all sit on the back row, you know, you know how many front rows I got today? It's awesome. I just want to come out of here and do a glory dance and get excited. <laughs> Woo! Well, Barry, you done moved back four rows today, brother. <laughs> Lynn, you looking good. You looking good? Yeah. I just want to see who I'm talking to. Hey, sis, how you doing, man? Man, I knew I'd get freed up once I got out here. Just had to find my rhythm. Lord, you're good. Isaiah 9, 2. I want you to read this one with me. It's going to be on the screens. Some of you right now, you've been saying, I don't know which screen to look at today. Well, there's three of them. Just pick one. And 360, although these are a little clearer than that one. Okay, here he goes. Read it with me. Ready? In your God voice. Matter of fact, stand. Let's all stand. I want everybody to stand in the room. Let's look at one another. Stand. Let's do something else. Just turn around. and sh Don't go. Don't leave. Just turn around and shake hands. People next to you say, I'm so glad you're here. There you go. Good. Okay, come back, come back. You extroverts, y'all can't stand it like, he didn't give me no time to move around. I didn't get my hug from Grandma Zelda today. What's going on? Hug her in the parking lot. Okay, here we go. Ready? Isaiah 9, 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Keep standing. Let's go to the next one. There we go. 25-8. Ready? He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. It is so awesome to hear us in one accord. You can be seated. So, Lord, these prophecies are true and right and holy. And we've looked at them today. And Isaiah 49, 6 says, And now God says, This God who took me in hand from the moment of birth to be a servant, to bring Jacob back home to him, has set a reunion for Israel. What an honor for me in God's eyes that God should be my. 
That's what I thought it was. Here we go. You, never mind. He says, but that is not big enough job for my servant just to recover the tribes of Judah, merely to round up the strays of Israel. Now let's stop there. It's okay if God calls us strays, isn't it? I am setting you up as a light for the nation so that my salvation becomes global. I like that. That's the, that's what, you see these flags right here? We're a global church for the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus should be proclaimed to every person that lives until he comes again. Lord, thank you for these prophecies as we look at them and we see that you become global. And Ezekiel 17, 22 through 23 says, And God the Master says, I personally would take a shoot from the top of the towering cedar, a cutting from the crown of the tree, and plant it on a high towering mountain on the high mountain of Israel. And it will grow, putting out branches and fruit in a majestic cedar. Birds of every sort and kind will live under it, and they'll build nests in the shades of its branches. In Micah 5, 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephra, you are only a small village among the people of Judah, You're, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. But I'm so glad one came for you and me. And all the prophets, they long for what we know, saints. As we look back to the cross, they look forward to the cross. They were Old Testament believers and they looked for they anticipated what god would do and we look back at what christ has done in his love at calvary that's good news so here he is jesus from the line of judah foreshadow these bible prophecies being fulfilled in the one person of christ he takes away sin he disarms evil's power write that in your notes the cross means god has disarmed evil and evil shall never again be triumphant over your life only if you choose for it to be did you realize that every person in this room that hears my voice if you'll submit your life to jesus christ you are more than a conqueror through christ who loves you and you have conquered death as christ has conquered death for you you don't have to live in sin anymore you choose to well preacher what, what you talking about you have to like we it's my choice it is your choice it's a sinful choice but it's a choice he takes away sin he disarms evil and i want you to see luke 9 51 this is going to come out of the living bible the tr first translation i read or paraphrase when i was a, a new believer and guys, I, you got to write this down. This, this is awesome. This is from the Living Bible. You're, I know if you look in your verses, it's not going to look quite like this. It says, as the time drew near for his return to heaven, he moved steadily on towards Jerusalem with an iron will. I love that. Jesus knew that he had to move toward the cross of Golgotha because he knew redemption was there for us. And he moved steadily. He was tenacious. He didn't give up. And he had an iron will. I like that word, iron will. How many of you have an iron will to follow God today? An ironclad will. You say, no, brother, I got aluminum. Somebody say, man, you know, I got a fiberglass one. That's pitiful. I remember when I was in high school, me and my buddy, we, we had this place, kind of like Arnold's on Happy Days. It's called Burger King on Atlanta Highway. And we'd all go down there to hang out and eat pickles and burgers or whatever, you know. And uh, my buddy, we pulled in one night to the, to the uh, Burger King parking lot, and he made one of them big swooping turns. And when he made that big swooping turn, it was on my side, and there was a brother that had pulled in a Corvette, and he hit it. And I watched it, it went, it cracked, started here, and it split all the way down there. And that brother's eyes got about this big. 
and he looked and he jumped out of the car and I was hitting a lot of weight so I felt like I could take him and I jumped out of the car and I grabbed him and I said my friend's not very smart please don't hit him and my buddy just sitting there looked at him, and all I know is he didn't hit him but man fiberglass it splits and some of you got fiberglass faith some of you got aluminum faith but I want you to have an ironclad faith this morning in Jesus Christ that you don't bend you don't break you're holy unto the Lord and you say, God, I, w- I want to endure the cross, and, and I want to I follow you. And Jesus chooses a hill there. It's called Golgotha in the Hebrew. It means the place of the skull. And there's some reasons they call it the skull, because that region, it says that the mountain, it kind of looked like a yarmulke, like a ball head. Or maybe it was a place that there were actually were a lot of skulls there where people had died. And they just kind of mounted up the, mounted up the bones and the skeletons. But it wasn't a pretty place. And it wasn't a place anybody would choose. I mean, there's some hills you'll choose to go to, but nobody would choose Golgotha. But Jesus did. And I want you to do something this week. I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to write this down. I want you to, everybody in here, everybody, ready? Everybody, ready? It's your homework. Ready? Your growth work. You want to do it? Read Luke 22 and 23 this week. Read it several times if you can, but at least read it once before we come together again. Read Luke 22 and 23. Powerful. If we were going to stay here another hour, I'd read it to you now. But I hope that you'll read the Word of God. And, and I, here's your response, I hope. That you get appalled. That you get upset and you go, somebody stop it! Shouldn't be. And Jesus said, I have to my father's will i hope you spend some time in luke 22 and 23 and you see the hope of the gospel and i was thinking about the atoning work of god that when i came to christ and when christ died for me keith waldrop died on his cross you died on that cross when you came to christ evil got disarmed Death had no longer victory over you. Your sin nature doesn't have to control you anymore because of the cross. And, and I think about it, in this moment, right now, we're all sinners. We deserve hell. We deserve to die. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. My favorite passage in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me by faith in the Son of God. It's Christ who lives in you, friend. If you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, it's not you, but it's Christ who lives. Overcome. Be victorious. Live your hope. Share. Lord, my hope this morning is that when one day I stand accused, God doesn't see me accused. He sees Christ. He sees me dead to sin and alive in Jesus. Y'all, accus- have you ever had, hey, anybody ever had an accusation made against you? Hey, hello. Anybody ever had an accusation made that was true? Uh, Yeah. And how about untrue? Yeah. Did you like it? No. Man, Jesus got hurled a bunch of insults and accusations. And man, the Bible says he opened not his mouth and he hung on that cross. And because of that, God adopts you and me into his family. He grafts us in. The Jews and the Gentiles are now one in Christ. And it's not I no longer that live, but Christ lives. And it means Jesus goes here. He's innocent. 
They said, he's innocent. He must have been the son of God. Because he was. Thank you. And they shout out what he does. I want to ask you a question. I want you to write this down. Who really murdered Jesus? Who really? Hello. Not rhetorical. Who really murdered Jesus? In this section here, give me an answer. Who really murdered Jesus? Okay. All right. That's okay. Who really murdered Jesus? Okay. Who murdered Jesus? Hello? Who, y'all in the dark. I got to come help y'all out a little bit. Who murdered Jesus? You did? Who? No one. Who? You've been reading my notes. Who, who, who murdered Jesus? Who? Everyone? You did? Okay. Sounds like a pretty good answer. Come back next week, I'll give you the answer. No, I'm going to tell you the answer now. I think our sin, our evil, caused Christ to go there. But you and I didn't kill Jesus. They didn't kill Jesus. I'm going to give you an answer. I want you to turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Open your Bibles. I want to hear them pages flip. I want to see those phone lights come on. I want to see those iPads light up. Y'all have messed a preacher up now. We can't just say, hey, let's hear the pages flip. Because people are like, glory to God, glory to God. All right, here we go. I want you to turn to John 10, verse 18. John 10, 18. Great verse. It's always good to give a Jesus answer, isn't it? Because this is the right one. I right, look at John 10, 18. I'm going to show you who murdered Jesus. Ready? Here it is. No one takes it from me. But I, what? Lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. So who murdered Jesus? He gave his life up. He laid it out, and then he took it up. Man, he had the keys of life and death and hope and joy. And man, it's God's plan. Matter of fact, can y'all show that clip right now? I just want you to see a little thing from the passion of the Christ. Let the lights go a little darker in here. There he is, the Lord Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying not his will, but the will of the Father be done. And he struggled, and he, he agonized, and he was in anguish. And the devil was there, and he appeared in the form of a serpent. And I'm sure during this time, Jesus is still in great agony and he's got confusion and doubt and you and me on his mind and the will of God's about to come to pass and it's a hard time. It's a hard day. It's a very cruel time. And the serpent chooses to wrap around the arm of Jesus, around his life, hoping to kill, to choke out the Son of God. But Jesus stands up, and I want you to watch. evil is so present and powerful. Boom! That's what Jesus thinks about sin and death. Stomped it. 
first time I ever saw that in the passion of the Christ. I wanted to stand up and dance and cheer and yell. Anybody just sitting there? Guys, that was awesome news. That's what Jesus did. He crushed evil. Crushed it. What happens when you crush something? The death, the life goes out of it. <laughs> you ever crushed anything? You ever crushed a bug? Does that bug just walk away after you crush it? If it does, you got some super bugs at your house, okay? <laughs> you need to call Jimmy Harper. I don't even know if he's got, I don't even know if he's got any, uh, it can exterminate one if it comes back. If it comes back to life, don't call me. I'm running. But Gethsemane and the worthy Christ, he, he shakes life and he overcomes. Isaiah 53, 4 and 6. The word of God says, and yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed Jesus down. And we, though his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be partial. Wait, what? Whole. I pray that for y'all all the time, that we would be whole. He was whipped so we could be now, come on now. I'm trying to help y'all. He makes us whole. He was whipped so we could be. You're getting it now. I'm going to keep working with y'all. All of us, like sheep, have. Thank you. And we have left God's path to follow our. Yet the Lord laid on him the iniquity, the sins of us. Man, that's redemption. It's the cross. This morning, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to just tell you the gospel story through the prophecies of Scripture. You're like, man, I, I just need to be reminded it's Holy Week. And we'll march toward resurrection, and we think that we get set free. And some of us this morning go, hey, I'm not worthy, and I would agree with you, you're not worthy. And it's going to take humility to accept the grace of God. But it's important. Because Barabbas, when you read this, the account of Jesus, they cried out for who? Barabbas to be released. He wanted to give up Jesus. He said, I found no fault in him. Barabbas. Oh, no, no, not Barabbas. Uh, you know, we want Jesus. No, 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 Jesus ain't done anything. Let's, let's do Barabbas. Oh, I wash my hands of him. I find no fault in him. I, I give him up. And, and what did Barabbas do? I want you to think about this. When, when Barabbas, Barabbas didn't go, oh, I don't deserve, I'm just going to stay in prison. Is that what Barabbas said? Oh, I'm not worthy. No, no, not me. I'll just stay here because I deserve to die. Jesus, you just take a walk. It's just me. I'll just stay right here in prison. What did Barabbas do? In the Greek it says he hightailed it out of there. He ran, man. He was declared free. And that's what it is to have grace. And some of you want to just hang out in prison. Not very wise. And Christ wants to make you whole, and he wants to heal you. Oh, God, thank you for the power. Because of the ugliness and the public shame of the cross, you purchase redemption. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for your amazing love today. And uh, that you endured the cross for each of us.
and that for six hours you touched every corner of eternity. And Lord, today I pray that by your Spirit some have seen Christ, Jesus. And they want to make him the Lord of their life. They want to follow him today. Lord, I pray that uh, we could find that today, Lord, in you, that we would choose to follow you and walk after you. Lord, you are great and you are mighty. In the name of Jesus, this morning we're going to prepare for communion, but first uh, I want to do something before. If y'all could just play a little acoustic for me. But I want you to hear this. My wife had shared this with me in 99 and uh, she found it and I want you to hear today as we prepare they're going to do a great song in a few moments about give us clean hands but before we get there I want you to hear this this is one of it's a young man I don't know if he's young but, but Ray Vanderland wrote this he's a scholar and he talked about the Passover event and the, and the bread of life in the cup and I want you to hear this it says there that Passover Friday afternoon as the sun was going down and Joseph of Arimathea was taking the body of Jesus to the tomb it was also the beginning of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. You can look at Exodus 12, 15. And God had answered the Israelites' prayer that first Good Friday in an unexpected way. The rabbi who said, I am the bread from heaven, I am the bread of life. And the rabbi who said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot come back to life and produce many seeds. And that same rabbi was buried, planted, so to speak, during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. But in the first century, they had a tradition it says, when a young Jewish man reached marrying age, his family selected an appropriate wife for him, and the young man and his father would meet the young woman and her father to negotiate a bride price. How many of you want that to come back? You don't have daughters, okay. The figurative cost of replacing the daughter, the price was usually very high. And with no negotiations complete, the custom was for the young man's father to pour a cup of wine and it's hand it to his son and his son would turn to the young woman and would lift up the cup and hold it to her saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood which I offer to you in other words I love you I'll give my life to you will you marry me and the young woman would respond in this manner she had a choice she could take the cup she could return it and say no or she could answer without saying a word by drinking of the cup and it was her way of saying I accept your offer and I give you my life in response on the night of the Last Supper that we'll come to today Jesus and his disciples sat together celebrating Passover and the disciples knew the liturgy very well they had celebrated Passover all their lives and when it came time to drink the third cup of wine, the cup of redemption, Jesus lifted up the cup the disciples would expect, and he offered a traditional Seder things, which he used to this day. Blessed are you, Lord our God, the King, I love you. And the only picture I can think of that would describe the power of my love for you is the pure love of a husband for his wife. It's hard to know that night when the disciples began to chuckle. But look at this picture, Jesus making a marriage proposal to them which must have seemed totally out of place in a Passover Seder meal. And yet they may have understood Jesus' willingness to die, be buried, and eventually raised to say, I love you as my Father promised you, your fathers. I will pay the price for you. So today when Christians, when Christ followers come to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper, they must be mindful of Jesus 
that Jesus says this morning, I love you. And he still says, I offer my life for you. Will you be my bride? The taking of the cup is a solemn moment. For in this moment, the one looks to the Heavenly Father and says, Yes, I accept your love. And now, Father, I give my life to you in response. So this morning, they're going to prepare us. And I pray right now, you can stand, you can kneel, but get your heart right with Jesus. And will you respond to him? Worship team, lead us in this holy time of us confessing to the Lord. you to see, sit in your seat there quietly and in reverence to the king and prepare continually to come to the table. Nathan, will you bring the team that you've assembled this morning to the table of the Lord? We will have four stations today at the cross, two on this side and two on this side. And we will serve Holy Communion and tension. That means you will take the bread as a sacrament of Christ, his body broken, and you will dip it into the cup to the blood of Christ of the covenant, new covenant, and you will receive it. And then you can kneel all the way around this big altar today or go back to your chairs, but we've got plenty of time to come to the Lord's table. I'm going to invite you that have been invited to come. Y'all come near. 
want to serve y'all, the body of Christ. Jan, the body of Christ for you. And his blood shed for you. And Cad, the body of Christ for you, brother. And Jesus died for you. Y'all step back and serve here. Let me see. Ben, the body of Christ broken for you because Christ is crazy about you, brother. Him. He loves you with an everlasting love and he shed his blood for you so that you can live. Melissa Christ loves you and his body broken for you and his blood shed. And for you, Chris, his body broken and his blood for the remission of sins. Go and serve the body of Christ this morning. Melissa, to you and Adam, Christ loves you dearly. Christ's body broken for you and his blood shed that you can be forgiven and forgiveness for you as the body was broken. around them and you can even kneel all the way around here but you know you need to come to this and you need to go to that section you understand just come now and make your confession to God and leave clean and free with an iron will to do his will come body of Christ
got one more song, right? Let's just uh, give thanks as they go up into the booth. Let's just bow our heads. Father, thank you for the old rugged cross. It humbles us to kneel before your symbol of love and brokenness. Jesus, thank you for the common meal experience, the Passover meal, where you invite us as children of the King to come to the table. We humbly receive this meal and your sacrifice. We humbly receive your grace. And we pray, Jesus, that you would rule upon the throne of our hearts and give us new uh, strength and energy to do your will, Father. As we approach the holy season and coming up on Resurrection Sunday, we pray that we might experience you, Jesus, afresh and new and know you and the power of your resurrection and somehow experience the fellowship of your suffering. Bless us now as we sing a song of worship to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sweet Jesus Christ, my sanity.
Christ has died and Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Sing that truth one last time. Christ has died and Christ is risen. Christ will come Tara, will you and Mo and Matt, will y'all play? Just play us out this morning. Uh, man, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today to prepare our hearts for holy season. Next weekend will be a total time of celebration and worship. But we wanted to prepare our hearts in a little different way today. I ask that you walk out of here in the peace and the joy of Christ who died for you. But I ask you to leave today quietly and reverently as you came in. Just quietly pick up your stuff and walk to the lobby. We'll see you next weekend. We'll have a resurrection service. Come early and invite somebody to attend with you.